Hello, 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 hello. Welcome back, my Truth Over Tea fans, friends, and fanatics. It's me, your continual host, Christopher Wilmot, where we're learning to tell the truth over spilling the tea to the LGBT community and beyond. I welcome you wherever you may be joining us today, whether it's here locally in the States or globally as we're getting some listeners and viewers there. Welcome, come on in and welcome back if you've been tracking with us over each season. But if this happens to be your first season, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. You know my name. I'm 29 years old. I have been a disciple as we're learning to call ourselves um, with the Lord for about seven to eight years now, walking with him and just following him as a disciple. The Lord has discipled me into the three things that we're learning on this podcast, which is acceptance, change, and practicing self-control over same-sex desires. Yeah. And a little bit of tea about myself as you heard some of it being stirred in the background. Here's some spilling tea that you may be interested in that I spent four to five active years in the LGBT lifestyle identifying with homosexuality. So I have come into an understanding of the truth, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is Jesus himself. And he's discipled me to understand that God accepts you, grace changes you, and you can't control you. So whether you're in the community or even out, all three of those things can benefit you. Even though this is a podcast targeted to the LGBT community, it's not limited to the community. So I welcome you. And so without any further ado, grab your tea and join me. Like, comment, and share this if this installment of truth can bless you or somebody you know. Without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into today's installment of truth. Hello, hello. Good evening, fans, friends, and fanatics. It's your continual host, Christopher Wilmot. As you heard our intro, I welcome you wherever you may be joining us around the world, within the States, and on the different time zones. I welcome you at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time here in Jacksonville, Florida. Will it sunny one day and cold the next? <laughs> so um, I welcome you wherever you may be joining in the different climates that you're living in at these times. Social climate, weather, the climate, financial climates. I mean, there's different climates these days, but... Anyway, <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying, but welcome. Thank you all for joining again for another installment of Truth. I got my squeaky chair. You can barely hear it out there. And I got my tea, water, my choice of beverage, your choice of beverage. And of course, we got the truth where our objective is to teach you the truth over spilling the tea to the LGBT community and beyond, as you know. But um, so you can experience acceptance, change and self-control. So we've been talking about identity and really, um, I guess acceptance is the only um, and change is the only two components that were played where identity is concerned, um, because you don't really need to control your identity, per se. But you definitely need to be feel accepted with whatever identity you're coming to Christ with and understand that whatever that identity is, he can change you by. And um, when he changes your identity, he can therefore change your sexuality. He can change your uh, perceptions of yourself or others. He can change your um, body dysphoria. He can change your low self-esteem. He can change anything. And really anything literally means in anything and whosoever would believe him for those things. And so as we're learning to identify with him in the spirit and by the spirit, we receive the benefits and blessings that come by way of the spirit as we identify with him. And we also should be in great expectation for these things to um, manifest in our life. So by now you should be experiencing those things or at least 
understanding those things. And it's all from the spirit by the spirit. So I'm trying to bring you out of the flesh, bring you out of the identity you used to identify in with um, in the flesh and even identify Christ by the flesh. And so we've learned through different installments of truth in episodes past to how to do those very things. And now I want to bring you into the, the change component. We've been talking and studying Paul and his conversion and his identity. Um, and I just want to piggyback off of that to show you um and really encourage you the hope that you have for your identity to change and therefore everything that you're doing in your life can change your purpose and all of those things. We were looking and studying Paul, who was once Saul, and we were studying him and his zealousy in episodes past just to kind of prove that point. But now I want to look at those same stories and scriptures and show you the conversion or transformation or change of his identity. Now, you may say, well, this is for the LGBT community and beyond the beyond part of the community or the people that we're reaching through this podcast may be able to resonate with this, but some of the LGBT community struggling individuals may say, well, what does this have to do with me? Remember, everything that we talk and teach from is going to have everything to do with you and everyone else too. And I'm going to show you on, if you stay in here with me, I'm going to show you on how that um, applies to you, whether you're in or out of the community. So without further ado, a lot of, uh, talking already and I haven't even got to the message. So let's go into my notes here. Um, I'm interested to really get to this because this is really what I was building up to and eventually going to get over to talking about righteousness. But I wanted to insert this in here because you should be experiencing acceptance as we know, but you should be experiencing change and change where we're talking about in our identity. And Paul, who was once Saul, was the perfect picture depiction of this. We also saw this through the, the disciple Peter, who is now an apostle, but um, we saw this with him as well. And we've studied that in, in times past, so I won't bore you with another revisit of those stories. But um, we see here, and let's see, some of these scriptures that I referenced before, I think it was Acts 9 and 1, and then First uh, Timothy. First Timothy might be a good spot just to kind of piggyback off of and it's first Timothy I believe it was 1 12 through 15 first Timothy 1 12 through 15 and it talks about what Paul used to be now this is important when we talk about identity because based off how Paul was identifying then was really why he was doing what he was doing then. Now, remember, Paul was Saul. He changed his name. You don't have to change your name when you change your identity, but he changed his name. Just like Simon Barjona, his name was changed by Jesus. When he says, you're now Peter, you went from Simon Barjona, now you're to Peter. Saul went to Paul when he encountered Christ as well. And 1 Timothy 1 really depicts who he used to be and some of the things he used to do, which should be a review for you all if you've been tracking along through every episode that we've been kind of uh, um, dissecting Paul and studying his zealousy. 1 Timothy 1.12 says, I give thanks to him who has granted me the needed strength and made me able for this ministry, Christ Jesus, our Lord, because he has judged and counted me faithful and trustworthy. It has appointed me into the ministry. 
I reiterate, Paul was called into the ministry. He didn't put himself into the ministry and it was pleasing to the Lord for him to be in ministry. And that was his calling. But before he could know his calling, he had to first know his identity before he could know his purpose. He had to know his, his personhood in a sense. And so he says in verse 13, because I formally pay attention to that word again, first Peter 1, 12 through 14, I'm reading verse 13. He says, formerly, I was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor. I was shameful and outrageous and aggressively insulting to the Lord. Nevertheless, I obtained mercy. So if Paul can obtain mercy for doing all these bad things. So can we, no matter what those things may be. He says, I obtained mercy. How? Why? Because I acted in ignorance and in unbelief. A lot of what we do, even where our identity is concerned, our actions, our sins, we do in unbelief and in ignorance. We don't realize the magnitude and the weight of our sins and some of the things that we are participating in, whether it's same-sex desire. Whether, whether it's pornography, whether it's drugs and alcohol, whatever it may be, you don't realize the magnitude of that. You're ignorant of it. And typically you're ignorant of it because you're ignorant of who you are in Christ and how much benefits and blessings that have been awarded unto you. I mean, you got to think about it. If you were a millionaire, let's just take this as an example. You probably wouldn't work another day in your life. If you're a billionaire, I should say a million dollars is not enough. But billion, if you're a billionaire, you probably wouldn't work um, another day in your life. But if you are ignorant of that amount of income that you have to you or been given to you, you're going to probably be working and sweating and doing all the different things. So Paul, ignorant of his identity, was doing things um, out of his passion and not his purpose. So his passion um, caused him to be blasphemous, blasphemous, shameful, um, insulting to the Lord. He was also known as a murderer. He killed a lot of the Christians. He st he was the one responsible for stoning Stephen, which was one of uh, uh, the Lord's sent ones. And so he did all of these things in ignorance and unbelief, but he obtained mercy. Verse 14, the grace um, of our Lord Jesus flowed super abundantly beyond measure for me, Paul says, and accompanied by my faith and love that I that are to be realized in Christ Jesus. Then verse 15, this saving, uh, this saying is sure and sure worthy of saying that I have been accepted. I'm sorry. This saying is sure and trustworthy. Uh, let me read the amp. That's amplified. That's going too deep for me. Let me let me read the, amp the King James in verse 15 real quickly. This is a faithful saying uh, and worthy of acceptance of acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners whom I'm chief of. I thought this was interesting because, like I said, it depicts what Paul used to be, which was in the form of Saul. When he was Saul, he was doing different things like blaspheming the church. He was um, killing, um, blaspheming the Lord, killing Christians and so on and so forth. His list goes on. He says that really deems him as being one of the chief sinners. And he says, but Christ saved me and I obtained mercy. And this is interesting, as I said before, because we can probably go down our list of things we used to do in our old man. Now, we may have the same name, but we have done some old we have old ways, old habits, old addictions, old um, uh, sins. You can you could say that we were participating in at one time in our life, whether it was before Christ or even sometimes during Christ when you were still ignorant and unbelief with who you are in Christ you were doing these different things and as I said before if you don't know your purse if you don't know your purpose 
your passions become your purpose. You just start to become indulging in how you feel because you don't know who you are. You don't know what's real. You don't know your faith. You're ignorant of those different things. And so I digress. So Paul is is really, again, depicting the same thing for us where you can look in your own life and say, you know what? I was a few things myself before I came to Christ or even while I was a Christian and now a disciple. And so if Christ can forgive him and show him mercy, referring to Paul, that he can definitely show and refer um, and, and defer to us that same mercy. So um, let's continue in this. I think I want to go to 2 Corinthians 5.17. When we come to Christ, all things really become new. But the thing is, or excuse me, when you come to Christ, um, that's when that's the beginning of all things becoming new. The first thing that Christ changes about you is your spirit, is your identity, which we understand are the same thing. We get our identity from the spirit and we begin to identify with the spirit as we've been teaching you on this podcast. But I understand some may not. We've dealt with that already. But when you come to Christ, Second Corinthians 5.17 says that if anyone is in Christ or belongs to him or comes to him, Old things have passed away and all things have become new. Old things are passed away and all things are become new. But if you're not beholding the new, you're not going to be transformed into the new. So that's very important. We talked about that in episodes past. What happened with Saul and Paul was when he met Jesus and came to Jesus, everything began to become new. First was his spirit. That came new instantly because he got saved. He got born again. Then now his soul and his body is being renewed. Is that just me making that up? No. Remember, First Thessalonians talks about we are a spirit. We have a soul and live in a body. We saw that in First Thessalonians 5, 21, I believe it was. But now Romans 12, a lot of scripture I'm throwing at you. Romans 12 says that even though all things have become new in Second Corinthians 5, 17, Romans 12 says that, if I get there, that Acts Romans, God dog. Romans 12 says here. That do not be conformed, verse 2, do not be conformed to this age. Do not be fashioned after its likeness and its superficial customs. But watch this, be changed or transformed into the, in the, let me slow down. Be transformed or changed by the entire renewal of the mind. Watch this, by its new ideas and its new attitudes so that you may prove your, for yourself what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. So he says, you're going to prove for yourself who you are in Christ, who Christ is to you, the benefits and the blessings of this Bible. You're going to prove it by renewing your mind to it. So you have to behold it. So even though Christ did change your spirit, he did change your identity. If you're ignorant of it still or you're not believing it still, you're not going to benefit from it. And we've driven home that point. So 2 Corinthians 5.17 says all things have become new. Romans 12 says you have to behold those things and and renew your mind to those things, to experience those things and prove those things to be true. But now what does this have to do with uh, our subject today? I think it has everything to do with the conversion of Paul, um, who was Saul, and the conversion of us in our identity. A lot of people, especially in the LGBT community, struggle with the second component of change because they keep approaching Jesus, approaching God, approaching scripture to change parts about them and not change the identity 
about them. The identity, the core of who you are is what needs to change because that's the root to all the fruit that you're producing in your life. A lot of people think homosexuality is the issue with homosexuals, and that's not the issue. The issue with homosexuality is the identity homosexuals have adapted in their life based off their feelings, based off their flesh, based off how they feel, based off their soul, based off their mind, based off their will and emotions. And those is what... That is what Romans 12 is saying. I want you to renew that. When you came to Christ, you need you, you, you need to understand there's things that need to be renewed or updated in a sense. You guys are familiar with the updates on phones, whether it's an Apple or an Android. Shout out to Androids because I do not like this Apple. But <laughs> nonetheless, no tea, no shade. But I'm saying Every phone does need an update, though. And I think we're operating on an old update when we came to an understanding of our new identity. We had a new identity, but we didn't get a new update for that new identity. It's almost like getting a new phone and you're operating on the old system. Or maybe you have an old phone, but you're the, the old phone is requiring a new update for that system. And what has happened is we continue to stay on that same plateau, that same tier of, of ignorance, if I can be so bold. Your abundance of ignorance is contributing to your lack of knowledge. You have an abundance of ignorance and it's getting in the way of knowledge. Your abundance of knowledge or your more knowledge you should be gaining and growing in Christ. And what I've seen with whether it's those in the community or out, they come to Christ expecting Christ to change everything in one twinkling of an eye. Even though 2 Corinthians 5.17 says all things have become new, what they're referring to is your identity. It's the core of who you are. Now, what you do is not going to be renewed until you renew it. How you feel is not going to be new until you renew it. That's why you can look at your hands and your feet too, and none of that's going to change. That old Baptist saying that you looked at my hands and my hands looked new, looked at my feet and my feet did too. No, because Christ did not do nothing with that. He didn't make that new. That's coming when the resurrection or, or when the uh, rapture takes place or the catching away, as the scripture says it. When Jesus comes back to redeem the church, and he remember, he's coming for the church, not the children. He's coming for the church. When he comes to redeem the church, if you're a part of the church, you're going to be caught away. And that's when he's going to renew your body or give you a new body. But until then, you have to maintain your body. You have to renew your soul as you have um, saved your spirit. Now, you didn't save, you know, Jesus says. So Jesus is responsible for your spirit. You are responsible for your soul and body. What happens is Romans 12, 1 really says it for us. Let's read it. It says, I appeal, the same guy, Paul, is saying now to the Romans, he says, I appeal before you and I appeal to you and I beg and um, all the mercies of God that you make a decisive, watch this, dedicated decision of your bodies, presenting your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy and consecrated and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, watch this, rational, watch this, intelligent, spiritual worship. The issue is we don't want to worship him. And worshiping him is not singing a song to him. That's praise. Worship is when you live a lifestyle of consecration of holiness and, and, and unto the Lord, where your will, your emotions, and your how you feel is submitted to God. That's the problem with a lot of the LGBT community or the those who struggle with those desires. They don't want to worship Him. They it, they don't want to present their bodies as a living sacrifice. They don't want to deny. They want to continue to submit to the desires that they feel. Well, I feel gay, or I feel. 
uh, this or I feel that. I feel like I want to get high. I feel ugly. I feel fat. I feel stupid. All your feelings begin to drive you because you are not living in purpose because you don't have your identity. Purpose comes through your identity. So you're living for purpose through your uh, pleasure. And so now pleasure becomes your your identity or pleasure becomes the purpose for your life. So now all you do, this is so good. I'm getting blessed by it. All you do is live to please yourself. That's how you become selfish. That's how you become self-centered. That's how you become self-indulging and you become a, a person where you're overly um, you it really the, the scripture calls it lasciviousness where you just become so lustful that you can you can't even stop it because you've lived your whole life or living your portion of your life living for you trying to do things that make you feel better do things that you feel like doing do things that your feelings are telling you to do and now you're living based off your carna- carnality in the flesh instead of by the spirit and remember, Galatians says, if you're going to live by the flesh, you're going to surely die. If you keep living by the flesh, you shall surely die. It's just not my words. That's Galatians. Galatians says that you're not supposed to live according to the flesh. You're not supposed to live according to how you feel. And when we deal with identity and change, Paul is saying, I had to count all that dung. I had to renounce that. I had to let that go and renew my mind to this. And let's go to a scripture that can prove it. It's Romans or no, 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 no. Philippians. Let's see if we can find that. Philippians 3, Philippians 3, 8, Philippians 3, 8. Uh, oh, let's go for context sake. We got to go up. That's too good. Ooh, glory be to God. Hallelujah. So you did that. Bye. My God. So Philippians 3, 5. Y'all know me. I, I just go to tongues randomly. I apologize. Um. Let's let's look at Paul's track record. We saw his track record um, with with the sins. He was a blasphemer. He was a murderer. He persecuted the church. That's his bad sins. But watch this. Paul had some good things, too, that he said he had to renounce. He had to let go his identities and his his desires. He had to let those things go so he can gain and win Christ and be renewed into the identity of Christ that Christ gave him, I should say. And Philippians three um, says something pretty powerful. Uh, verse three, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Philippians three, three, for we who worship by the spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. He's trying to argue. He's basically arguing a point that people think if you're circumcised, you're closer to God, you're more connected to God um, and God loves you more. So he says, wait, hold up. For those who worship by the spirit of God, they are the ones who are truly circumcised because God is interested in circumcising our hearts, not our actual physical body parts. And if, and you and think about this. You got to know this is true because with what I just said, at least because if a a woman doesn't have anything to circumcise, so you obviously know that God is not referring to just the genitalia of men. So those who worship God is not worshiping Him in the flesh or with their flesh alone. It's actually with their heart. So we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly worshiping God and truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort in NLT. We put no confidence in human effort. Though I could have confidence in my own efforts, I choose not to. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I could have even more confidence in the flesh as it says in another context. Why? Because I was circumcised on the eighth day. On the eighth day, I was, um, uh, uh, I was of the people of Israel, a tribe of Benjamin. I was, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews as a law and the Pharisees demand. 
verse uh, 6. I was, watched this, so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church as and as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. So he says, I kept the law of Moses. I was zealous for the things of Christ, almost to the point where my passions drove me away from my, my purpose. And I was doing things thinking they were God, but there wasn't God. Almost like the LGBT community think you were born this way, so you have to stay that way. And so they're just zealous for these things, gay pride and feminist and, and apologetics, all the different things we pride ourselves off of and zealous for. He says, oh, I was all of that too. And I was actually better than it than you. He continues to read in verse seven. He says, but whatever, or excuse me, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless. Why? Because of what Christ has done. My God, see, he's becoming, he's getting a gain or he's getting or gaining a progressing Golabasa. He's getting and gaining a progressive revelation of Jesus Christ. He's saying, whoa, 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 whoa. I used to have a value in these things. I used to be passionate and zealous for these things. But the moment I met him, all that other stuff didn't matter because I started to compare it with him and I started to see, wait, None of this stuff can compare. That's I'm paraphrasing and get, adding commentary. But verse eight, he says, what is more considerable? Uh, or, you know, I got to slow down. I'm getting so excited. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all garbage and dung and rubbish so that I could gain Christ. So he let go of his zealous living. He let go of his degrees and pedigrees. He let go of all the zealousness he once had for other things. And he says, I'm losing that to gain Christ. Verse nine. He says, I want to become one with him and be found in him, not having my own righteousness. Oh, this is my prayer. Not having my own righteousness that comes from the law of Moses, keeping rituals and religion. He says, I don't want to, I don't want that righteousness. He says, I want the righteousness that comes through faith in Christ Jesus, the righteousness from God that depends entirely on faith. Glory to oh my God. It, it depends entirely on faith. Watch this. Verse 10. I want to know Christ. Yes, I want to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings and become like him and even in death. He says, this is how radical I am for Christ that I'm willing to die for him because he lives for me. Am I saying that's what you need to do with your identity? No, but you do need to die to those old identities, those old zealous ways. You need to count all that other stuff rubbish that you used to identify with, especially if you don't have an identity in Christ. You shouldn't be doing anything apart from Christ or doing anything, trying to do anything for Christ. You need to first know who you are in Christ before you can do anything for Christ. Remember, it was Christ who put him in the ministry. Paul didn't put himself. It was Christ who called him to go preach to the Gentiles. It was Christ who told him to do this. He did everything according to Christ. Why? Because he was living for Christ in his life and he was identifying with Christ in his life. And so he's no longer the, the, the bigot, the extremist, the zealous. He's now the child of the Most High God. He's the disciple of Jesus Christ. And now where his purpose is concerned, he's an apostle of the Almighty God. This has everything to do with renewing your mind to it. Because if you don't, you won't. If you don't, you won't experience this. You won't come into the benefits and the pleasures of this. You're not going to understand your purpose. So you're going to always be living according to your passions. And your passion is going to become your purpose because now you have nothing else to live for. So you're going to be trying to feel better and do things to make you feel better, which is passionate driven, which is fleshly driven, which is all the things that we ought not be living by. And I'm trying to bring you over to Christ and live according to him. So let's see what this has to do with our, our title today, yet were some of you. What is what is what do I mean by that? P Paul was once Saul. Peter was once Simon Barjona. Who were you once? 
for the LGBTQ, LGBT community, maybe you were gay. Maybe you're struggling with your homosexuality, with your sexuality. Maybe you're struggling with your body dysphoria. Maybe you're struggling with your low self-esteem. Maybe you're struggling keeping or, or, or getting a man or keeping or getting a woman. Maybe you're struggling with who you are and your sex and your sexual gender and your gender. Maybe you're struggling. He says, that's yet were some of you, just like that was some of me. Now, Paul never professed to be struggling with homosexuality or any of those sexual things, but he says, I struggled with things. I had a past, but that's who I was. That's not who I am. And First Corinthians 6 really shows us this um, when we talk about homosexuality and really any sexual bondage that you were, not who you are. Now, again, if you keep identifying with how you feel, you're going to always feel this and always be doing this and living according to that. But remember, that's who you were. So 1 Corinthians 6 says it best for us. Um, verse 9. Do you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor, uh, no, nor um, adulterers, no effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, swindlers, and so on and such on, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 11, but watch this. Such were some of you once, but you were washed and cleansed and sanctified by the blood of the Lamb. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our living God. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. I got to praise you right here. I got to praise you right here. I got to give you praise because this was me. I found myself and not just one, but probably many of these uh, uh, descriptions of people who would not inherit the kingdom of God. And I remember a family member telling me, you know, when I was living in that lifestyle saying, you know, homosexuality is not a God and homosexual is not going to go to go to heaven. Here's the pro here's the proof. And I read that scripture and I got so grieved, but this is how I knew I was saved because this still small voice said to me, I could hear it. It was in, it was coming up almost as if it was somebody speaking from inside me. Literally. I know that may freak you out spiritually, but if you're a spiritual being coming onto on the understanding of our spirituality, this shouldn't freak you out. This should be common for you. But nonetheless, this still small voice came to me after my loved one sent, sent me, they ain't, they ain't that something. Your loved one sent me hate. Be careful for that. Sometimes your loved ones can send you hate. So my loved one sent me this, this, it was truth, but it wasn't balanced in love. And it wasn't really in context where the scripture is concerned. So I remember pulling over. I started having an anxiety attack because I wanted to go to heaven. I wanted to get into heaven, but I re realized I still struggle with homosexuality. But watch this. It says homosexual wolves. See, you become a homosexual wolf when you identify with the desire, when you identify with the sin. Just like when people say, I'm depressed, you just now started identifying with it. You just gave it power over you. Same thing we do with other things. You The moment you start to identify with it is the moment you start to give it power over you. Watch this. The moment you give it a name is the moment you give it power. And then when you start to identify with that name, you give it power over you. And that's what we have to stop doing. That's why there is a name above every name. But in this context, I pull over. Going back to my story, I pull over, getting an anxiety attack. My loved one sends me the scripture. I'm thinking I'm not going to heaven because I still deal with homosexual thoughts and desires. And even to this day, still come up every now and again. Absolutely. Even with my desires changing and under control, they still, I still get tempted. But see, oh, there's so many points in this. Jesus was tempted. Was he still not the son of God? So your temptations can't even define you. Man, I, I'm preaching better than you, 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 you screaming. Or whatever they say. 
But nonetheless, I pulled over, get the anxiety attack, and the Lord said, keep reading. That's all I heard. Keep reading. I'm like, who said that? Halt, who goes there? You know, I'm like, who's who's speaking? Who said that? And I was just like, well, let me just obey it. I continue to read and it says, such were some of you. That's who you were, son of God. That's who you were, child of God. That's who you were, daughter of God. You you were LGBT related. You were gay. You were straight. You were black. You were white. You were male. You were female. Now he says, now your spirit, glory be to God. Now I want you to just call yourself spirit. Now I want you to identify with the spirit. Now I want you to live according to the spirit and by the spirit so you can receive all the benefits and blessings from the spirit that you used to go to the flesh for. So he says, this is where you, this is who you were. Just like Paul's, Paul's writing this, just like that's who he was. He was a blasphemer. He was an adulterer or not adulterer. Yeah, he was a, a persecutor of the church. But he says, I, I count that dung. And with counting that dung and rubbish, he also counted all the good things dung as well. He had accolades. He has prestigious awards. He says, I'm, I'm not even going to boast on that. If I boast, I'm only going to boast on my weaknesses. Because when I'm weak, that's when he's strong. That's, that's, that's uh, 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 what is that? Second Corinthians 12, 9. So he says, this is who you were. This is not who you are, and nor is it who you have to be. So Paul was once Saul. Also, I call him a modern day apologetic. He was a murderer, a blasphemer, but he obtained mercy. So why can't we? His God's grace abounded upon him and changed him. So why can't it change me, change you? In fact, it's changed me so it can change you. Well, I deal with this egregious sin, Chris. You know, this is just you just don't understand. Don't tell me I don't understand. I love talking to people who identify with being straight or gay. I love talking to these groups of people. They, they love to try to tell me their struggle is just so profound and so um, unique that God's grace can't handle it. As if grace is not sufficient for your problem, as if your message is too big for his masterpiece, as if he can't work it out for his good, as if you're the only one going through something. Well, you just don't understand, Chris. I have, you know, people who call them stuff straight coming to me telling me you just don't understand how it is Chris you know this girl's really on me she's pressing up on me she's in my inbox you just don't understand what it's like and it's just strong struggle and that's why I've fallen into the sin and I slept with her child boo child boo we all have temptation first of which you talk to me as if women don't are not after me I don't know maybe you think I'm ugly but I know I ain't ugly so that's not a prideful statement but I ain't ugly but I have to combat two sexes both men and women and considering God has changed, even though God has changed my desires, that doesn't mean he got rid of old ones. Those old ones still can come up. And if I have to combat two sexes. Don't tell me you you only combating one is too hard or difficult for you. Don't hit me with that because you never heard me complain about it. In fact, this may be the first revelation you even had on it that I struggle too with both sexes. So who are you to tell me you can't your struggle with one? You can't overcome that struggle. You can't resist that struggle and God can't help you with it. That's a folly. That's 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 another uh, excuse. And excuses just causes you to do that that mistake again. Excuses are nails to build houses of failure, as my spiritual father says. You're just building another another failure. You're setting yourself up to fail because you're making excuses for why you fail. That's not that's not going to work with me, and it's not going to fly with God because God is giving you the power. You may not always be inclined, but you're always empowered. I don't feel like it. That's right. You don't feel it. I don't feel like uh, teaching and preaching every day when I'm on this podcast. I don't feel like walking as a as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Some days I don't feel like denying myself and my flesh. Some days I want to cuss you out and go off on you because and you think I've been saved all my life and I want to show you a little bit what these hands do. Ah, uh, you know, I, I do all of that too. I, I get mad when people cut me off. I pray in tongues, but sometimes I cuss in English. Come on now. 
Yes, yes, yes. I'm not, God's not asking for perfection when he talks about holiness. He's asking for consecration. You got to stop letting religious people define biblical terms. Religious people could never define in biblical terms. Excuse that. Got a little excited. But holiness literally means if you break it up, it means to be consecrated and set apart for the master's use. That's worship. When you're holy and acceptable unto God, when you present your body like that, your mind like that, your soul like that, you are worshiping the Lord and the beauty of his holiness because you are consecrating or set up, setting your that part of you aside for him. That is worship. And that's what he's asking us to do with our feelings. Yes, you may not feel it, but you have to faith it. Yes, I don't I don't always feel it, but I have to faith it. I didn't say fake it. That's what the world does. They have to fake it to make it. We faith it to make it. We faith it. I faith it until I make it. I've been faithing it for seven years. And if I haven't slipped, dipped, wine and dine, I haven't I haven't slept with nobody in over now it's going on eight years. Eight years. Chris couldn't even go eight months back in the day. And when I say back in the day, I'm talking about when I was still saved, but wasn't living saved, wasn't living holy. Because I was ignorant and unbelief that I was holy, that Christ made me holy. Christ made me righteous. So I was ignorant of all those things because I wasn't living by the spirit. I was living by the flesh. And so because I was living by the flesh, I kept doing these things in the flesh and struggling with the things in the flesh. But when I came into spiritual living, I overcame the, the sins and the weaknesses of the flesh. That's what I did. And that's what you can do. And I did. And I'm doing it and I, I'm doing and I'm doing it and I'm doing it well. I'm doing it well by the help of the almighty God, by his grace that has changed me, has accepted me and is helping me control me. So your situation is not so unique. It's not. That's the truth. I know you've been listening to tea, but that's the truth. I hope I'm not your enemy for telling you it. But this is what this is what he's saying. This is what you were. This is not who you are. Yet were some of you. Some of you were these things. Some of you were gay. Some of you were uh, uh, porn addicted. Some of you were weed addicted. But you're not you don't have to be anymore because the power he's given to you to overcome. In closing, if you guys remember, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I believe that's Proverbs 24. As you're thinking in your conscience, in your heart, that's how you're going to be and how you're going to live. So we must be renewed from that so we can be changed by that. Or we must be renewed to that so we can be changed from that. And to that meaning the word of God, the grace of God, our identity in Christ. So if you want to be changed, you got to renew your mind. Mark 1.15 says something pretty powerful about uh, changing the mind. And it, and it comes from the perspective of repentance. Matthew, Mark Luke John 115 in the Amplified Classic says something that I really want to show you to help you understand what it's going to take to experience change in your identity. Matthew, Mark, you're being changed from and changed to. We're going to get into what you're going to be changed into in episodes to come. But Mark 115, 15, I said, Amplified Classic says something about repentance. He says the appointed period of time is at hand. The kingdom of God is here. Repent. Watch this. Have a change of mind, which is an issues in regret of your past sins and be changed in your conduct for the better and believe, trust in, rely and adhere to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is how you repent. You do not repent by saying sorry. 
You don't repent by changing your actions. No, no, no. You have to repent first by changing your mind. We see this in the new year. Every new year, somebody makes a new resolution, but they can never finish it throughout the year. Why? Because their mindset never changed. And they thought because the year changed, they changed. No, baby. The seasons changed. The year changed. But you are still the same because you have yet to change your mind. Watch this. Set. You've forgotten to change your mind. Set. And as long as your mind is set that way, you're going to live that way. And you must repent to this way that I'm telling you. Repent to, from fleshly living to spiritual living. Repent from your old ways of thinking to your new ways of thinking. So repent from your old identity to your new identity. I'm calling for repentance because that's what Paul did. And when Saul became Paul, he repented. He changed his mind and he let go of his old ways that he once was, that he's no longer is, if I'm saying that correctly. He once was that. He no longer is that. Same thing for us today. So I pray that you are feeling accept, accepted, experiencing change and practicing self-control where your desires are concerned and now where your identity is concerned. God does accept you no matter what you are, but he has goals and dreams and power to change you and let him. And he can and he will if you let him. I leave you with that. And I pray that this was a blessing to you. You have no more obligation to do what you used to do now that you understand who you are in Christ. And I pray you are being blessed by this. And until next time for our installment of truth next week, God accepts you. Grace changes you and you control you. I love you all. God bless you. And thank you for letting me to keep you these, what, 40 minutes.